Um, let's do this. Let's turn to John. Uh, that's not true. I, that was a lie. I'll go to John 3 in a minute by myself. Y'all don't have to turn there. Get to Matthew 13 in your phone, Bible, device, whatever you got, or I'll just read it to you. That's okay, too. Um, we're going through, again, just a kind of an in-between Advent and Lent series just on some of our favorite passages as leaders at Church at East. Um, Holly will teach next week. I'm excited about it. And it's, again, just working through what are some of our favorite passages. Then we'll catch back up in Matthew, where we left off after, after Lent, okay? So we're going to be in Matthew 13. But as we're getting there, I need to ask again, and we kind of need to redefine some terms because it's been a minute since we've been there in Matthew 13. This idea of kingdom of heaven, Jesus talks about it all the time. It's the thing he says the most. What does Jesus mean? What does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of heaven? Is it heaven after we're dead? Is it something else that's at hand? What? Let's just use our own words for it. And again, if you're wrong, I'll make it sound right. You'll be just fine. You'll be okay. There's no shame. But um, what, what would be other ways to describe kingdom of heaven? Rob. <laughs> I'm just playing. I wouldn't have done that to anybody else. Everyone else, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I just like Rob. In a different way. He's my brother, so I can beat him up a little bit like that. <laughs> you can ask for a lifeline, too. Jeff's right there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, which is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about two parables today. It's very hard to explain. Does it in parables. What, what, how would we describe it, though? What's another phrase we could use? Paradise. I like that. I think that's great. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. Be the way it was intended to be, right? Nice. Which would be paradise, which I like. Y'all are doing that together. What else? Yes, the dreams of God, right? There's a guy, Brian McLaren, writes about that a lot. He says, like, this, these dreams of God, and, and that's, like, a good way to describe. This, like, this, this idea of um, the reason our son has his name. It's this idea of tov meod, this, this idea of the way God intended it to be upon the way he intended it to be, right? This dream of God. What else? What else could it be? You can do a few more. The most, oh, go ahead. You're about to speak. I saw your mouth open. Go ahead. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the most theological answer. So anytime you look that up, and that's good. That's good. That's important. I was going to use it also. So in, in any like, commentary you would read, or if you read a theological book about what Jesus is talking about, it's going to say the rule and reign of God because it's like really translated well as that. So it's the rule and reign of God in a certain space at a certain time. Keep going with your... Yes, lived out through his people in a certain space and time as it's happening, right? Like as life is continuing. Another way we could describe it is the dance of God. That's another one. And the idea there, the way certain people call it the dance of God, is because it requires give and take. 
So the kingdom of heaven doesn't just happen upon someone and force someone to do a thing, is, is what those theologians would say. So they're like, you know, it's apt, aptly described as a dance, not a wrestle. You know what I mean? It's not like you, God makes you submit in a way that's abusive, but a way that there's give and take and this beautiful dance, right? That's another way. <clears throat> um, again, dreams of God was one on my list. I think that's great. But, but that's what the kingdom of heaven is, is intended to be. And that's why Jesus does talk about it in parables. Rob's exactly right. Because we all gave this answer, and when all of us gave it, we were like, it's kind of, you know? And y'all all like looked away and not at my face, you know? Even when Raceland said paradise, he's like, paradise? You know, it's, that's, that's how difficult it is to define this idea that Jesus came and spoke all the time about. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in the midst of us. It's like there for the grasping, right? There for the taking. So I want to talk about, it's one of my very favorite, it's two very short passages about the kingdom of heaven when they're asking Jesus about it and he just starts to describe it. And again, it's Matthew 13 and we're going to be in verse 44 through 46. So again, super short. And this is what Jesus says. What is the kingdom of heaven like? Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up again. Then he, in his joy, goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Very simple parables, right? Incredibly simple. So let's break them down just a little, and then we'll kind of talk briefly about it, and we'll go from there. So this first idea of someone finding a treasure in a field. This is tricky for us because we picture like a treasure hunter going out like in public and doing a thing, right? And that's not necessarily the case. So in the days of of Jesus' time there, not a lot of banks and safety deposit boxes. So if you had something of great value, if you had a treasure or if you had great wealth, you would would honestly, you would bury bury it really often. That would be the way you would take care of your treasure, right? It's kind of like Depression-era America, right? Where people, like, hid stuff in their mattress or buried it in their house somewhere. Or we were remodeling a house one time, and in the studs of this house found, like, all these old coins. It was very weird, very strange. I was like, that was a weird place to keep that because you forgot. And you should not have forgotten that you put it there. But it's this idea that this, this person possibly buried their wealth, buried their treasure, right? forgot about it or died or his family didn't know or who knows what happens and then someone stumbles upon it and that's a big note for us is that someone just comes upon a treasure in a field and then is amazed by it because think about that if you find what's an actual treasure in a field that could be a life-changing event especially for these folks especially knowing that because they don't have banks, they don't have safe deposit boxes, because, and this happened enough for Jesus to tell the story. So it happened occasionally. They may have heard like, ooh, so-and-so's cousin's grandma's brother happened upon this treasure, changed their family's life forever, generational wealth forever, and they just happened upon it. How lucky were they? So this story would have gotten out or Jesus wouldn't have used it, right? It's, it's happened, you know, in their culture. So it happens this person stumbles upon it and says, oh, I see the value there. I'm going to make sure I can buy this field. I'm going to make sure I do whatever I can to purchase it. 
And what's it take the person? In this person's joy, he goes and sells all that he has to purchase the field. Everything. House. His, doesn't have a car. His car. His way to have stability. His retirement plan, he cashes it in. Anything of any monetary value so he can get to whatever number that field costs this guy goes and sells and says, it's so valuable, it's so important that I'm ready to do that. Then you have a separate story, right, that Jesus tells right after this. He's like, in the same way, right, there's a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now, a pearl in this time would have been immensely more valuable than like a diamond in our time. So um, has anyone gone, this is a weird aside, and I'll make it so short. Has anyone gone to like the diamond mine in Arkansas it's near um, Hot Springs. You've been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been too, right? And you're like digging for diamonds in the ground, right? And there's, they, they loop you in because they're like, hey, yesterday, a dude, someone found a diamond that was like one and a half carats. And you're like, I'm going to find a diamond. Like my sons went and they were like, we're about to be rich. We're going to find diamonds. We found, we found no diamonds. There's nothing. It's just a huge muddy field and it had rained too. It was disgusting. It was this huge muddy field with people just digging just in a random spot. You're like, this looks like where diamonds might be. It's just ridiculous, right? It's so preposterous. But it's this idea of looking for something nice, looking for something fun. And this merchant does that. And again, in this day, pearls would have been much harder to come by even than a diamond. And even in our society, we know diamonds are elevated um, falsely, right? Like there's millions, of, millions and billions of diamonds, and then they're just held, right? So they're not that valuable, except we make them valuable. Pearls weren't that way at this time. They could only be naturally made. They could only be naturally found. And they had immense value in this day. So this is a merchant searching purposely for a pearl. The merchant wants one. He's going to drive to Arkansas for it and (laughs) bring a bucket and a shovel for his kids or whatever. That's what he's doing. And then he, in his looking, in his searching, finds one. And in the same way, and his joy goes and sells everything he has to buy one small pearl, which is crazy. But the person knows that pearl is more valuable than anything they have. And here, here's the interesting differences in this story that I like. And this is where kind of John 3 kind of comes in. As you have this one person who, it seems in the story, stumbles upon the kingdom of heaven, the treasure in a field, He's like whistling about, you know. He's walking through a field, maybe enjoying the day, and happens upon something valuable that's going to change his life, change his family's life, change his family for generations. And so he immediately notices this and then goes and sells everything. All of his financial stability, all of his hopes, his, his hope in his future, his retirement, his kids' trust, whatever it may be, he says, this is so important, and it's like a surprise. It's, it's something that, oh my gosh, look what I found. And, and the important part to note in this story is Jesus says, it's okay for faith to be like that. It's okay for the dreams of God to come upon something like they just came upon a treasure in a field. They're not looking. They don't care to find it. They didn't intend, they didn't plan their week around it. They, didn't, they weren't like on this course and fate brought them to the field. No, they're just living their life and oh my goodness, the dance of God breaks in. 
The dreams of God interrupt their life, and they're caught by it, and they can't get out of it. And it startles them, or shakes them, or amazes them, or encourages them so deeply that they say, in this one strange moment, on a random afternoon, I'm ready to sell everything to have it. That's, that's crazy. And that's, that's a big treasure. That treasure looks like a lot, sounds like a lot, is weighty, it's a big deal. And people find the dreams of God that way, still, today. And if, if that's the way you found the kingdom, it's completely beautiful that that's the way it came to you. That it came to you in a treasure in the field. That, that, it, that it came to you in this weird way before you fell asleep or in this strange conversation with a neighbor or this strange conversation with a friend who was like, you know what, you might like blank. That is a beautiful way that the kingdom happens upon a person. And Jesus says that. The kingdom can be this way. The kingdom can be that beautiful and surprising and like exciting and, and crazy, right? Life-altering afternoon for this family. I mean, imagine when this guy finds the treasure and goes back and tells his family what he's going to do to have it. They're like, you're going to buy a field now? Are there houses on the field? Can we make money on the field? He's like, no, we just need it right now. We need the field now. Let's sell everything. And the family's like, I don't, I don't know that I want us to sell everything. Should we go estimate the field? Let's survey. You know, I don't know. Anything a builder would do for the field, like, let's, let's make sure it's the right field. No, it's too important. His life's interrupted and changed forever by the field. And then in a different way, we have this merchant. And this merchant reminds me of some of us that have, like, always been looking, Right? It's like, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I feel like I would tie in more to that than someone stumbling up on a field, because I grew up in a church that I just didn't like, and it, it wasn't, it seemed not even hypocritical. The people at my church was, were super nice. They were great, kind people or whatever. I hated the way passages were taught. I, I hated the way that, that. Faith was this free gift, but you also had to be meek to inherit it. You also had to do this. You had to do this. You had to do this. The things you couldn't do, the things you could do were ridiculous, I thought. I thought they shortchanged anything Jesus said. I just didn't, I didn't like it and didn't want to go. It was a fight every Sunday morning to go to church. Like, I would try to make deals to wear shorts there because I couldn't, and we'd fight about that too. One time I snuck out to church with shorts on. There was consequence, but it was awesome. Not as, not as good as me wearing shorts this Sunday morning. It was pretty awesome. But that's where I grew up. But in the midst of it, I thought surely there was something to Jesus. That's why I hated it so bad, I think. Because I thought, surely though, Jesus surely is, is something good. Or like, should be valuable to me, hopefully, right? So it was like this constant, like, oh, I'm going to look more into that. I'm going to argue with my teacher. I'm going to try to talk to my dad about it, and he's going to be like, I don't know, man, whatever you think, you know? We, we had this all the time, and it was really like a merchant looking for something, or there was going to have to be like this give up time. 
And we know who we are that are that way, whether we looked in the Christian faith or you looked in a different faith or you looked in community in a different way or success at your career because that would get it. You know what I mean? You would find a pearl in that or something. There's, there's all these things we, we search to find. And that's a very valuable search. And the merchant looks hard. I imagine, just because I put myself in there, going anywhere to look for anything that could help. Damaging himself, maybe his reputation, maybe his credit, looking for something with value for the love. Like, surely there's got to be value somewhere. And then the day he comes across the pearl, right? And some of us find the dance of God that way. In the midst of, yes, absolutely. In the midst of like wanting to give up. Maybe that's the last shop he went to, you know? Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm only going one more time. And his family's like, dude, you're not finding treasure randomly in a shop. And he's like, I'm one more. This is it. This is the last one, I promise. And there's the pearl. In the same way as this other guy, he says, I found it. This was it. This is what I was looking for. I didn't know it would be this good. So let's sell it all. I don't have any dreams anymore outside of this one thing. I don't have any hopes anymore outside of this thing. This, this idea of the dreams of God, the rule and reign of God here through me. Like, I can provide the justice we talked about last week. I can be community with people, and I can experience the weight of God through that, right? This idea of experience, actual forgiveness, actual joy, that is the kingdom of heaven at hand. And the merchant's like, yes, let's do it at whatever cost. I'm ready, rock and roll, it's happening right now. I'll take it, right? That's what the kingdom is. It's not this heaven after we die, we wait for. It's, it's not a moral code. It's not a, um, a silly right way to sing the songs. It's the dance of God with you now, presently, that carries over forever. And again, I'm missing the John 3 part now, but I love it. Um, right after this, or right before the John 3, 16 passages that, uh, I don't remember who quoted it last week, nervously, and I was like, you got it. It's fine. It's all over everywhere, right? This idea that God so loved the world and gave his only son, whoever believes in him. Before that, though, when, when Jesus tells Nicodemus who's born again, what does he say? He's like, the wind blows where the wind blows, and no one knows how they will react to the breeze. Right? The, the kingdom of heaven, this idea of God finding us, happens like the wind. It's, it's not a formula. It's, it's not a, oh, you have to pray this and then you're good. It's not a, hey, hey, follow these rules and you're all set. It's like, no, it's, it's like a breeze that comes in and we finally notice it. And we inhale and exhale this breeze and we're, we want it. And that's this beauty about the kingdom of heaven. It's more mysterious than we thought. It's more exciting than we thought. It weighs more than we thought. It happens to us differently. Some of us stumble upon it. We're like, oh goodness, look what happened. 
It's the kingdom. I like, this sounds great. Some of us search for it our whole lives in everything we do. And so in that, in that vein, in that note, um, we're going to have a time of communion. And so as we take communion, whether you are one who, who doesn't feel like searching for it, fine, right? Or, or you're one that you're like, whew, it happened upon me, and I need to know that was okay. <laughs> you know, is that still real that I found a treasure in the field, really? Is that really true? Or maybe you've been looking and looking and looking, and you're still looking for the pearl. Whatever it may be for you, the table is open to all of us to enjoy communion together. So the way that's going to look, we're going to have um, a, a liturgy of response on the screen. I'm going to read to you, and then I ask that y'all would read back. And then um, Mandy and Brian are going to come up, and they're going to do two songs for communion. Now, during those two songs, whenever you feel like the time is right, or whenever you're ready, come get communion on the table, and then you can take communion there. You can go to the corner of the church. You can go with a friend or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, But the table's open for you, and we want you to know that. Um, So let's enjoy communion if, if... We're ready, Eric. If not, uh, there we are. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you.